Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and in this episode, we have Lori Shaw, founder and CEO of Finley, an innovative fintech company powering neighborhood businesses. In this episode, we talk about why Lori left her 17-year career in banking to start Finley, how that decision went, her decision to also join Techstars, and what her experience was at the Accelerator, raising a small seed round of 1.5 million and then a seed extension of a million after that, how she has helped small business owners affected by COVID, her experience as a mom, solo founder, and first-time founder while she's been building Finley, understanding what you actually want from a career and how that influenced her decision to start this company and run this company, and then how she's gone about building a team and her unique way of acquiring customers for Finley. All of that and more in this episode. As always, the show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast, and you can support the show by leaving a rating and review over in Apple Podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Hawk Media, a full-service outsourced CMO based in Santa Monica, California, providing guidance, planning, and execution to grow brands of all sizes, industries, and business models. Hawk Media is recognized by Inc. as one of the fastest growing marketing consultancies and their collaborative process, a la carte offering and month to month fee structure give clients the flexibility they need to boost digital revenues and marketing ROI. Hawk Media, the company, has serviced over 1,500 brands of all sizes, ranging from startups like Tomorrow Melon, SIO Beauty, and Bottle Keeper to household names like Red Bull, Verizon Wireless, and Alibaba. And also, I had the founder and CEO of Hawk Media, Eric Huberman, on the podcast in episode number 23, if you want to take a listen. And to get a free consultation, head on over to hawkmedia.com and be sure to mention Just Go Grind. Without further ado, here is Lori Shaw, founder and CEO of Finley. Lori, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, excited to chat about Finley and your journey with this company. Can you tell people what what Finley is for people who aren't familiar? So Finley is an all-in-one platform for small businesses and education and micro-entrepreneurs. So think about the uh, the daycare centers, the after-school program, the enrichment programs, you know, the karate, art, music, dance. Um, just because you can play 50 instruments beautifully, it does not mean you can run a successful music school, right? So yeah. that's precisely where Finley comes in. We take care of everything that is behind the scenes so these small business owners can focus on what they do best. I love that. And for this as well, you had a a, a career in banking prior to this startup for a number of years. Why did you decide to leave your banking career and start Finley? Very good question. I think it's all related and interwoven to a degree, right? So I have been in financial services for the past 17 years. And in the last eight years of my career, I focused specifically on helping um, vertical SaaS platforms adopt payment technology to serve their customer base. I've helped various payment and uh, financial technology platforms really refine and their infrastructure to make it scalable. Um, And through that journey, it was really obvious to me there are innovators across the globe trying to solve the world's biggest and smallest problems through payment technology. And this area of SMBs in education has been heavily neglected. 
And me being a mom of two, I have two boys, <laughs> five and seven. So they're in kindergarten, first grade, respectively. Um, the only time that we use a checkbook is to pay our kids' teachers. The only time that I'm going back and forth on my text messaging app is to schedule and book classes and confirm, you know, curriculum with my kids' teachers. And so I feel like, wow, with everything that is advancing around us, right? And especially me being in fintech, <laughs> I'm like, why is this space so critical to all of our lives? yet still antiquated. Um, and also, I want to just take a few steps back even further. Yeah. I'm a first-generation immigrant to educator parents. And um, growing up in the U.S., you know, it was hard. And my parents were working 24-7. They had their day job. And then on the weekends at nights, they were taking tutoring gigs and additional side gigs, right, to make ends meet. Yeah. And, um, and, and what I realized at that time at a very early age was two things. One is my parents were doing something that was absolutely critical to communities, to families. They were enriching and impacting people's lives. And the second thing I realized is we will always be poor. <laughs> the likelihood <laughs> of us being financially free was almost impossible because you're always just constantly climbing, right? But you're not getting anywhere. Yeah. And, um, and I see how, you know, they're, how, how they're running their business. Like they're working so hard yet they can't break that barrier and get to the next level. And fast forward to 30 years later, nothing has changed. Right. And, um, and, and, and so to answer, this is like a long answer to your, question, <laughs> but I feel like not only do I, do I know how to build this technology the right way, I am passionate about this space and, 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 and really seeing very clearly through a personal lens that something has to be done. There has to be some technological innovation for this group of, um, you know, innovators and educators that is trying to do everything they can to enrich all of our lives, but they're struggling to survive and make ends meet. With this as well, Lori, did you end up working on this on the side for a number of months or kind of quit your job cold turkey and then just go right into Finley when you decide to quit? Because a lot of founders here are, are going to be listening that are either in jobs right now and kind of considering starting something, uh, aren't sure the best way to do it. I'm just curious as to, in your journey, how did you make that transition? So it's always been something that I've been thinking about, right? Because um, I think with my day job, it, it there was definitely a lot of parallels there where I was working with various, um, you know, now unicorn platforms that uh, are vertically centric, right? They're focusing on a very antiquated space, whether it is, um, you know, uh, uh, boutique yoga studios or restaurant industry or HVAC and home contractor, um, you know, uh, marketplaces. They all started off with this very clear mission to help the community they want to serve. And they all started off with something other than payment technology, right? Whether it's scheduling booking, whether it is, you know, procurement or, uh, you know, some sort of a merchandising infrastructure, but all roads led to payment. They all at one point, you know, 
realized in order for them to make the biggest impact to their customer base, they have to innovate on the payment level, on the money level, where it mattered most. So they brought payment in-house, and that's kind of where my job began, right? I I go in there, and I consult, and I, I help them um, build out that infrastructure to make sure that their organization um, has a very clear future state development roadmap that is both scalable and manageable. And, um, and, and through that, to me, it was, it was obvious, like, why, why don't we do the same thing for this other very much antiquated industry that is very important? It is, it does represent a billion dollar uh, market, yet no one is tapping into it. No one is trying to do it the right way. There are vertical SaaS players in education. And if you think about the vertical SaaS players, every single one of them outsources payment. They don't touch payment technology. <laughs> and so when they outsource payment, what what do you think they're innovating on? Right? One of them is like, oh, I can do retina scanning for you to drop off your kid. The other one is like, I will one-up you and do facial recognition to drop off your kid. And so the innovation will when innovation happens on that level, who actually appreciates the technology? It is the super affluent, you know, nothing against the Beverly Hills or the Manhattan, but it is the the private schools there, right? That's like, well, I'm, I, I want to adopt this technology because this is going to set me apart. I love facial recognition technology <laughs> to teach your children. <laughs> right? yeah. then what about the rest of America? What about my parents, right? What about the mom and pop um, tutoring center, um, you know, with two helpers serving 150 families in Riverside, California. What solutions do they have? Do they care about retina scanning and facial recognition? They do not. What they do care about is, hey, my families, they are coming to us with financial hardship. What can we do? They are um, divorced, right? And asking for split payments. Is there a solution for that? And, and at Finley, we kind of turn things around where from day one, we're innovating on the money level where it truly matters most to our customers because that is the biggest impact to their customers. And um, yeah, and that's kind of from day one, how, how we've been looking at um, changing this, this ecosystem and really elevating and taking it to the next level. Lori, so you had a great understanding of this industry from your work already previously, which makes total sense from like a a founder product, founder market fit sense side of things. And you brought the understanding to Finley when you started. I know you went through you went through Techstars, I think grade one ten as well. So when you first quit your job to go through Finley, to start Finley, did you know right away that you wanted to go through an accelerator program? Um, I did not, to be honest. I was really struggling with uh, whether or not to partake in the Techstars Accelerator, which was probably one of the best decisions I made since uh, quitting my day job. Um, But what really took me or brought me to that, uh, you know, to that decision is Anna Barber, the managing director (laughs) at Techstars. She was so resourceful and helpful even before she became an investor in Finley. And I felt like, wow, are there more people like her out there? there? And is there a community of people out there that is truly there to help and really believe 
in your visions and is just trying to do whatever they can to to help you pave the right path to scale your own business. And um, one thing I want to to mention is, um, and I alluded to a little bit earlier, you know, I didn't come from wealth, even though yeah. I worked with various tech companies. It's not like I know how VCs work. <laughs> it's not like I embraced <laughs> anything before. Um, and and that entire world was so foreign to me. And from somebody who is looking at it from the peripheral, from the outside, to break in and to really be connected and be trusted and find people that you can trust that can actually help you from a um, resource standpoint, like capital injection and, and other avenues, it was it was such a it's almost like a dream. It's like a movie, yeah. you know, that I, that I'm not in. Um, and so that's what Techstars gave me. It, it it provided me a window through which it became a door, right? It was a window before and then it became <laughs> a door through Techstars and I can actually walk in and meet um, so many amazing people. You know, one, a few of my really close friends today are actually other Techstar founders in my same cohort. You know, we talk on a weekly basis. There are some that I talk on an almost every other day basis. We bounce ideas off of one another. That peer mentorship and uh, community was so important. And just thinking, you know, while I was in banking, working with tech companies, I did deal with C-suite, you know, uh, members of various companies. I did talk to the founders and CEOs, but when you are a service provider, <laughs> it's very different <laughs> when you are a peer, right? Struggling with the same issues and really it, mind share behind the scenes on best practices. And they genuinely um, have this community that want to help one another and lift one another. And that's uh, what I gravitated to. And it's just absolutely amazing. Yeah, I've heard a number of those stories from going through an accelerator and specifically going through Techstars and how transform transformative the experience really was for for founders. And even on the note of Anna Barber, she just joined M13. So when this goes live, uh, she's at M13 now, but uh, was at Techstars LA for, I think, three years. Um, and I've heard nothing but great things uh, about her. And I've actually interviewed her for a different show as, as well. And she's she's wonderful. In that Techstars experience then, so you get into Techstars, you go through that, which seems like it was a phenomenal time. And where did you take the business after that, Lori? Right. So through Techstars, it was a pressure cooker environment. So I actually pivoted the business uh, during Techstars. And um, immediately after demo day, I proceeded to raise a small seed, you know, $1.5 from institutional investors, all of whom I met through Techstars, whether it's directly or indirectly. So that was very helpful there. Um, and then my next focus was just building out a team, right? A small team, a small and nimble team so that we can uh, take the product to the next level. So we can acquire our first, you know, 5, 10, 20 customers um, so that we can learn from their experience and iterate as we go, right? So I was still in product development and product refinement mode um, up till I would say March of this year when we were just ready to launch. <laughs> oh, oh, oh dear. <laughs> everything closed, everything shut down. You know, of course, COVID, that's reason enough to shut everything down. And yeah. you can imagine those in education, right? If you are an employee of a school district or a much larger organization, you are at least getting paid, 
right? There is still a shelter or a safety net for you. Yeah. Regardless of how crazy the economy is looking. Um, but when you are a small business owner and you have to close down, you have to shut down. When you shut down as a small business owner, it represents you not being able to make rent for your own home, right? It means you not being able to put food on the table for your own family because our customer base are all owner operators. And um, and it was it was such a huge, huge negative impact to um, to our customer base. But one thing that was really really uh, touching and, and it helps it helped us really find refine our own trajectory in terms of who we want to help and how we want to help them was in the very early days of COVID, um, I had a conversation with, a, with one of our our customers who happened to be a karate school instructor. And I was like, hey, would you like me to turn on like, a, you know, like a GoFundMe button on your on your interface so that your customers, right, those who have a little bit more can contribute a little bit more. And he was like, no, Lori, I, I don't want that. I don't want that because I am not one to hold up a cardboard sign at an intersection. If yeah. I were to receive money, it would be because I earned it. And that just touched me so much on a deep level because when all hell broke loose and your livelihood has been challenged the way it has, you are still going about your day with this high, high degree of self-worth, right, of values and, and the vision and the reason why you're doing this from day one and going through all these obstacles and challenges never faltered. And that was so motivating to me because it is the pulse of small businesses, right? It is exactly what small businesses are. They're resilient, they are powerful, they're impactful, and they will not give up. Um, and so that led me to really think about, okay, forget about the philanthropic side of yeah. me trying to help the small businesses. How do I help them make money? <laughs> how, do I, <laughs> how do I help them make money? How do I help them grow their business in the toughest time, right? How do I refine and expand our product suite so that not only do we help them save money and collect tuition, but we help them generate more revenue and reach a wider audience? Because these small businesses, they're not the social media influencers, right? They cannot just... They cannot go on YouTube or IGTV and post a video or a class because they have, you know, the non-existent million plus followers <laughs> and, and, and monetize on that. They can't, right? Yeah. Mom and pop owner operator who's been in these, uh, their brick and mortar for years and they, you know, their sense of online or uh, reaching virtually is essentially claiming their Yelp business page and posting a PDF flyer of their services on Facebook groups, right? That is how they have uh, viewed customer acquisition <laughs> online. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so for Finley, we're like, okay, well, there's plenty we can do for them. So we expanded our model to where we help them grow their business. We help them migrate their traditionally offline classes to online so they can reach the wider audience they need, right? And be able to uh, 
sell their services, sell their product, um, and 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 generate additional revenue from anyone, anywhere in the most frictionless way. And that is essentially our product to begin with, but we just accelerated our product roadmap like like no other, right? Because, <laughs> because our customers are struggling to keep the lights on. And that was motivation enough for us to do what we can um, to help them get there, to help them keep the lights on. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, COVID has really accelerated the, the plans for many businesses. I know this is, you know, you just gave an example there. Someone I talked to recently in the show as well, they had uh, plans for a product that was going to launch, I think it was December of this year, moved it up six months because of COVID, uh, because of that, that same type of situation where you need to have the impact and adjust your business to what the times are. And it's such a crazy circumstance with having this global pandemic that everyone has had to navigate. And obviously there are businesses, especially small businesses, really struggling at this time and needing help in, in a lot of different ways. And it's great to see what other companies have done to to help out and to contribute in that way. One of the things I want to go back to that you mentioned, because this is something that is, is very difficult, raising capital specifically because women raise a very much so small percentage of venture capital compared to men. How did that fundraise after Techstars go? Can you walk me through a little bit more of the details? I'd love to hear more about your story with the fundraise. Sure, absolutely. So fundraise, um, I, I fundraised twice. Yep. Um, the first time was immediately after Techstars for our seed, or some people call it pre-seed. Yeah. <laughs> it's so little, it's 1.5. And um, and then just two months ago, we closed our seed extension of another million to get us through the end of next year and also incorporate all the stuff that we wanted to do to reach a wider audience from an acquisition perspective or sales and acquisition perspective. Um, it, was, it was by far the toughest thing I had ever done professionally to fundraise because, and I say this because I think I came into fundraising feeling very confident um, because, you know, I had a corporate career, right? I have pitched in front of people all the time, audience <laughs> large and small, um, you know, to convey our idea or our next product or just to get the buy-in from, you know, the board and, and, and other constituents. And, and I never thought I would have such a tough time telling the Finley story and making sure that the story resonates with the right people. Yeah. And, and I think a part of it is in large corporate I'm presenting somebody else's product. I am just a pawn, right? In the grand, grand scheme of things. But with Finley, as much as I try to dissociate my personal self from Finley, it was really hard. Because every single meeting, you had to capture the VC's attention very quickly and have them see value in you and value in your vision. And if they didn't, they would poke holes, of course, right? <laughs> of course. And initially, I'm just thinking, why am I taking it personally? It should not be taken personally, right? It's like they like you, they don't like you. What's the big deal? You know, you can have a beautiful baby, you can have an ugly baby. Not everybody will think their baby is gorgeous. <laughs> and I'm a mother, so I know that. And I, <laughs> and so to me, it was, I had a really tough time accepting criticism, right? And and doubt of Finley because it was like my third child and it was 
you know, at the earlier days, I have to say, as a mother, it was an ugly baby because you can imagine with limited resources, <laughs> right? No yeah. Trying to get up and running, it wasn't it wasn't the best out there. You know, we're, it's, it's a constant grind. We're constantly working on it to make it better. But but just to hear the feedback, like, no, I don't see it, or like, I don't understand what you're trying to do, or I don't I don't I don't believe in the vision or in the market, or you know, the business model is flawed. These are all feedback. If I just dissociate myself from Finley, I would have just taken it and be like, great, thank you. Let me improve, right? Give me some feedback so I can improve and I'll be better next time. Like that's how I expected myself to behave. But it wasn't the case. I have to say like there there were a couple that really hurt me. Not that they did it on purpose or deliberately tried to hurt me, right? Um, but it was... I was just hurt. I was hurt because it was it was so much pressure. I think it was a combination of why do they not see the value, right? Yeah. Um, but that also led me to think: Am I thinking about it the right way? Did I let leave my corporate job or career for the right reason, for the right startup? You know, am I subjecting my family through this whole ordeal? Um, in a selfish way or not, right? Um, every month that I bootstrapped was money away from my col- my kids' college tuition, right, fund. It's money um, out of our, our family vacation fund. It is sacrifices that not only I'm making, but my family is making with me. You know, I'm not somebody in my early 20s coming from wealth who have this few million dollars to 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 test with right (laughs) um and it took me so long to even take this leap of faith that i do it in the right time and that i do it for the right reasons like it was a lot of self-doubt it was a lot of imposter syndrome on a daily basis and it was further you know uh, uh, amplified through the pitch um the pitch situation, right? Like pitching your business, raising capital. But I also have to say that, you know, it is it is a lot of passion. It's a lot of storytelling. We're refining your storytelling. And it's, it's a lot of luck too. For anyone who says, you know, um, don't throw luck in there because that just undermines your hard work. I don't believe that. I do believe that I have been lucky in the fundraising process because there were investors who did share in the vision who did see the potential in me. But they were also standing at the sidelines because there were too many flags about me. You know, I'm a, or I'm a mom to two young kids, right? Regardless if people want to say or not, there's also something that in the back of their mind, is there a distraction, right? Is she able to to dedicate 100% to this startup like a college grad would, right? and the answer is, of course, no, because I have a family. <laughs> and and I, I totally get that. And also, I'm a first time founder and I am a solo founder. You know, there's just honestly, if there if there's a, a list of red flags, probably <laughs> have every single one of them checked. So the early um, believers, right, in Finley, I would say for the most part, they were just they were at the sidelines. They were waiting to see who would come in first, right? Yeah, yep. And they would follow, and they did. They eventually followed. But I, I got that one VC who is very well respected 
in this ecosystem, and he believed in me, and he wrote our first check or sent the first wire, and then immediately the rest came. And What was that, the first one? I'm curious if you don't mind. Sorry for interjecting. Well, I, I, I do not mind. Is actually Ariane from Core Innovation. Nice. Yeah. So they're a fintech fund、um, in LA, and. And have invested in so many, you know, later stage fintech companies. Their portfolio is amazing, and for him to just sit me down and ask about my upbringing, ask about my childhood, ask me about my journey and how I got here, and really try to see me for the person and not me, the founder, or me for anything else that、um, is fleeting. Um, that I appreciate a lot, and and not to say the other investors on our cap table weren't going to do it, but he just acted very quickly, and、um, and I really do believe somebody had to move first for others to to follow, and that was him for us. Yeah, and one of the things I just want to mention around that is, you know, I've I've obviously talked to dozens and dozens of entrepreneurs who have raised capital at this point, and even entrepreneurs who were, you know, multi-time founders who maybe check all the boxes and even you know had raised many rounds previously, they still get no's from many investors. You know, so it's like at any level, you're still going to have to go through that. It's challenging, regardless, and obviously it takes a level of perseverance and trust in overcoming all of those things. But one thing I want to go back to that you mentioned of how difficult it was going through that process. What were those conversations like with with your husband around fundraising? Why you're going through that, and how did that go? I'm curious because it obviously it seems like a tough time. It was a tough time, <clears throat> and um, and also it was it was tougher because my husband. Is self-employed. <laughs> well, between between my husband and I, I was the one that provided the stable, steady income with health insurance through large corporate. Right. So,、um, my last career,、uh, my professional role, my last professional role was、um, an executive director at J.P. Morgan, and prior to that, I all worked for,、um, you know, global、uh, public traded financial institutions. And and to take that leap of faith into or that plunge into entrepreneur world, it was definitely a decision that had to be made on the family level, right? Yeah.、Um, I have to say that if it weren't for my husband's support, I probably would not have quit my job, because the older I got, the more things that are happening, like. Having children, right? And then,、yeah. uh, and I, and 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 at my age, not only do you have young kids, you also have aging parents. And so my mom is physically disabled, and I'm her primary caretaker, and I have been for the past decade. So there's just a lot that you have to put ahead of you and or in front of you before you think about what do I want in life, what do I want to achieve. Through my career, what is my career, or am I just a a blended, you know,、um, persona of mom, daughter, wife, and then other roles will come distant, you know, fourth and fifth. <laughs>、um, yeah, I, it was a, it was, it was very, it was a lot of soul searching on my end, right? And and I, you know, it got to a point where I held so many of the jobs that I've I've dreamed of holding. 
And there were so many reasons why I was not satisfied, you know, in my corporate job or jobs where um, I was thinking, okay, maybe I wasn't happy because I wasn't getting paid enough. So then I go and find a higher paying job. And then once I'm there, I'm realizing, wait, I'm not happy maybe because I'm not working on challenging things. So then I go look for challenging things. And then I keep hopping and hopping. And 17 years later, why am I still looking? Right? Like there has to be something <laughs> inside you that yeah. is like, wake up, Lori. You're looking because you're just you you've been just traversing down the wrong path. Like you're on the wrong road. <laughs> you need to redirect yourself. Oh, yeah. it, it, because because you're clearly not happy and not satisfied. And are you okay with that? If you're okay with that, then keep going. But if you're not okay with it, it's only gonna get harder the, the further you go. So you have to just stop you have to stop and you have to think about what else do you want to do what else do you aspire to do if you remove all the noise and distractions and challenges out of your purview like what what would you choose your life to look like and and to me ever since I was a little girl I'm a problem solver right I might not have the best resources or the clearest lens um I still was able to identify problems. And I still was able to think about how do I optimize the situation? How do I enhance the situation? How do I solve these problems? What are the gaps I need to fill to make everybody's lives better? And I, and I just, you know, it's like, it's almost like the stars were aligned <laughs> for me <laughs> when I was um, yet looking for another job while I was um, at JP Morgan um, in what I assumed to be my dream job. Right. And, and talking to my husband and having the support of my husband um, and really thinking about it from a family standpoint, are we able to do it financially? How many months do I have to bootstrap right before I uh, have to go back to my corporate role? These are all very real conversations we had. Um, And even when COVID hit, I have to admit, there were moments where I'm thinking, I really it must be nice to go work for corporate America, right? Now. <laughs> right. Especially yeah. I'm out there raising our seed extension because I'm like, wow, we're making so much impact. We're getting so much, like so many testimonials of clients saying we are a lifesaver and we're because of us, they're able to keep their business afloat and open. Like that all sounds great. But what about Finley? We have an opportunity to make a huge impact to the community that we care so deeply about, but we, could be shut down. We could be yeah. out of money, right? And um, and so definitely, uh, just a few months ago, where I was out there raising our seed extension, and I'm getting quite a few no's. Um, that's when it you know it hit me again of like, am I in the? Am I just doing the right thing? Am I being selfish? Um, and it, but then at the same time, seeing how you know the Finley team are all laser focused, going a million miles an hour, trying to do more with very little. It just, it just kind of refocused me. Um, I think there are many occasions where I'm the weakest link, you know, on team Finley, that's for sure. (laughs) And if I didn't have team members, if I didn't have, you know, these amazing employees and young professionals who took this leap of faith to join Finley, 
I probably would have quit during COVID. If I was still a team of one, if I was still just me and a laptop um, running Finley, I probably would have quit, you know, because it's just, it's too hard. Um, yeah. Being a solo founder is incredibly difficult and people have pulled it off and, and done it for a, a while until, you know, maybe they eventually build a team. And there's depends on the business model that you're, you have in terms of needing to hire it, but it can be really difficult to be a solo founder. That's why often there are co-founders and helps in the business. And one of the things you mentioned with your career journey and kind of going from company to company and understanding they didn't make you happy for X, Y, Z reasons along the way and really trying to find the right thing. It reminds me of just, I don't know what this image or whatever it was of like climbing a ladder, but you're on the wrong building and (laughs) you can be, uh, you're climbing, you're climbing, you're climbing, but you're realizing as you look down, that you're you're on the wrong spot, and you should be on a different ladder. And I think people find that a lot of times in their career, you see people restart or do something completely different because they realize later in life that they found that they were climbing up the wrong ladder. And it's so important to find that right one that is the career that you think uh, you should be pursuing. And it looks like now you've you found that what that is. And the other thing I just want to go back to as well, you, you know, mentioning how going back to corporate is so tempting when you have facing all this adversity and you know you you know the corporate life very well and you did well in that role it makes me think of uh what i see now with with my career even with my friends are all uh mbas now at you know 100 plus k jobs <laughs> great salaries etc and i'm uh, pursuing just go grind full time since august of 2020 and just like you see that you're like oh that's like the comfort of the the nice cushy job but you know what you want to do in terms of your own life. So you keep pursuing it. And I love watching and listening and talking to founders who are pursuing it because it is a different life path. And it takes a lot of grit and hustle to do and uh, a lot of courage to even pursue that. So props to you for for pursuing that. And one of the things you mentioned too, is just around the team. Mm-hmm. How have you gone about building the team at Finley? So I uh, th- luck came with that as well. <laughs> um, so my COO, which is someone who actually keeps our lights on every single day as I'm out there, you know, um, raising capital for Finley, um, Jonathan, I've known him for years and I knew him when I was in another bank uh, working with fintech companies and he was in a similar capacity at a fintech company that we were auditing. And so, you know, at first impression, I was just like, wow, this, this person is so on it. Like he, he knows what he's talking about and he is just so resourceful. Like I would love to work with somebody like him. So that's when our relationship actually began. It was through work. And, um, and, and we were sitting pretty much at the opposite end of the uh, side of the table. And, um, and that is like the best exposure you can have with somebody that you would bring onto your team is somebody that you have direct access to and have worked with in a direct or indirect fashion in the, in the past. And that was Jonathan and I, when I left my job at JP Morgan, he was one of the first people I called, um, you know, for guidance, for advice because you know he was working at a fintech startup and he has wor- he has startup experience and um, really looked at him um, for guidance for advice um, and he was that type of a confidant friend and and once I was able to raise a little bit capital he was the first major hire for Finley for us 
And after he came on board, it, we just steadily grew from there on because we do recognize how important it is to bring on the right folks, right, as the founding team, um, yeah. whether on the technical side or on the sales side or on the customer success side. Um, and so, it, you know, we we, we, we take a long time to identify and to hire, but once they're in, we're family. With, with that as well, so one thing we haven't talked about, which I definitely want to dig into a bit now, is you, you obviously have fundraised for this business, growing a team, but a business eventually needs to make money. How have you gone about acquiring customers for, mm-hmm. for Finley? Uh, we actually acquire customers in a very um, unique way. So we are an early stage startup, right? We do not have millions of dollars to spend every month (laughs) on Facebook campaigns and Google AdWords. And so how do we compete? How do we like break through the noise, right? So one of the things we did was, you know, in an effort to migrate our offline classes to online, right, for all of our customer base, we were able to... um, to create this makeshift Finley marketplace almost. And how we did that was, um, you know, we allowed all of the the, the SMBs to yep. post their classes onto Finley classes. And then we proceeded to go and find customers for them, not through, you know, Facebook ads or Google AdWords, like the traditional route. Instead, we went through the corporate route. So we spoke to large corporates who want to purchase classes for their employees and or employees' kids, right? And or customers. And so these large corporates, they were looking for a solution to how do I directly impact small businesses and communities in a very meaningful way? And at the same time, you know, with the shelter in place and remote work, um, uh, working situation, how do I keep my team members engaged and motivated, right? Let's, let's, Purchase Finley classes. <laughs> it's a win-win. <laughs> they purchase Finley classes for their employees to take, and at the same time, they're directly impacting small businesses, knowing that every single instructor on Finley classes represents a small business that is struggling to keep the lights on. And so, once we achieve this win-win, we're able to acquire more small businesses to be on our platform because the alternative is them shutting down. Right? We're giving yeah. them. Hope. We're giving them an alternative revenue stream and access to an entire market that they otherwise wouldn't have access to. And then on the flip side, we are a team of 10 and we don't have the resources, both in human and also capital, to acquire more customers. But these large corporates, they do, right? These large corporates have thousands, tens of thousands of employees. So then for their employees to go on the Finley platform and see and see, you know, all the options or, you know, the direct reflection of what communities look like, um, whether it is a yoga class, whether it is beatboxing, whether it is Bollywood dance uh, or (laughs) Italian, you know, we have we have pretty much across the board. You can really enrich your life through it. But if you don't see anything on here that is appealing to you, we make it really easy for these employees to nominate their own local business. Right. So all of a sudden we we are we are building and creating this um, additional pipeline of opportunities in a hyper local way um, where we can have access to without um, spending money to acquire. And so that's that's a 
a unique customer acquisition strategy. And then the second piece that we have is um, we are the only family centric vertical SaaS platform or solution for these educate educators, right? And when I say that, it means we make it super easy for their families to pay them, but we also make it super sticky for their families to stay on Finley. So they engage with Finley on our Finley mobile app. And our Finley mobile app, we allow your family and friends to directly contribute to your kids' bills, right? We are able to allow Lori, the mom, to embed her child's Finley profile on birthday invites. So instead of a $50 plastic toy, you can contribute to my son's next swim lesson. Mm, Interesting. And so when parents or the end users love Finley, they want to pool all of their expenses related to their children, right? Or just family onto Finley because it's one one one-stop shop for them to manage their family expenses. And that is hugely sticky for us. And that is also another, um, uh, you know, opportunity for us to acquire more customers in a, in a very strategic and unique way, almost proprietary in a, in a sense. Because when we onboard these schools, we onboard their entire book of business, right? Because it, whether or not they pay their tuition through Finley, at minimum, they are receiving their invoice through Finley, right? Yep. So we have direct connections or contacts to all of the end users um, for the schools that we onboard. And the end users are a great um, customer acquisition channel and really wield that network effect for us. It's fascinating to hear early stage companies, especially how they get creative about the customer acquisition side of things. Because like you mentioned, when you don't have a multi-million dollar Facebook budget, for advertising, you have to be more creative and find ways. And I always love hearing that. So I appreciate you sharing how that's gone for you so far. And one of the last things I'm I'm curious about is just you're a first-time founder, solo founder. I know you went through Techstars and got some great mentoring through that, but how do you invest in in yourself and any particular books that have been helpful, podcasts you listen to? I'm curious about the learning, kind of investing in yourself side of things, Lori. I love podcasts. <laughs> I love podcasts. Um, I well, just recently, I, I've, I've been binge listening to The Pitch. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like literally addicted. Um, I love how it's how it's made, how, how uh, I love the um, the language podcasts um, where they uh, teach you conversation uh Korean. <laughs> I'm not Korean, but I'm just always interested in just pitching <laughs> myself and just getting to the next level and being able to, you know, break down barriers. And like, because at the end, we're all the same, right? We're the only difference is we speak a different language and we have a different upbringing. But if we can embrace each other for that, then there are, you know, many problems could be resolved. Um, and so I just, I just love learning about other people, other people's lives, you know, how they grew up, how, uh, what led them to make the decisions uh, that they made. Um, so any type of podcast or books, um, autobiography, uh, biographies, I just, uh, gravitate to. And then recently I, um, I adopted a dog. <laughs> I adopted oh, a dog. Congrats. He's a, thank you. He's a senior dog and his name is Big Bear. And, um, and I, I never realized how much I can get out of just walking, you know, walking outdoors. 
And it wasn't until I adopted Big Bear, um, our, <laughs> our white German Shepherd mix, um, that I've been walking every day. I've been walking with my husband. You know, there was just a lot of, um, a lot of deep connection that was lacking, you know, since I founded Finley and yeah. over years, right? And then to have that moment where, you, you know, you are able to just talk about the day you're able to just um you know to to walk and 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 enjoy nature and be under you know sunshine <laughs> that's like all very helpful to me yeah i feel like that's been a huge thing for me as well during particularly during the pandemic situation i've gone to walk almost every day um where i never used to go on walks i guess it's part of being where i'm located in Playa vista but also um just to your point, being able to think through things and kind of get outside into nature, have some sunshine. I think it was uh, Taylor Neiman from Toucan. He mentioned the same thing. She goes for like a morning walk at six and an afternoon walk at two to break up the day and just finds that it gives so much more clarity uh, as you're working through your day. And one of the things I want to, one of the last things here I want to ask about is just on that note, you are, you're a mom, you have two kids, you have a dog now, obviously the husband and a solo founder. What does your day look like? Take me through uh, managing your time. What a day looks like for you, Lori. Oh, so I wake up around six, and that is because my children wakes up around six. <laughs> <laughs> so I get them dressed, get them fed, um, you know, get them ready for for school. So for them, they are they are in the public school system, so it's one hundred percent distance learning. But we were fortunate enough to find um, uh, a learning center that has opened their doors to take just a handful of kids full days. Nice. Working parents can you know can do other things. Um, so just in the morning is all about the, the children. So once I get the children out of the door um, into the center, then my day for Finley starts, um, you know, it's just meetings, um, you know, really just to give myself some, uh, thinking blocks. That's important. Um, uh, two days, two times a day, once in the morning, once in the afternoon where either I'm walking or meditating or, um, you know, doing something just completely on my own for myself, whether it is cooking, um, you know, or just listening to music where I get to rest my, my mind where I get to yeah. really recharge and be able to think strategically and not be reactive from morning to night. And then, um, you know, after endless meetings, I also like to participate in customer acquisition. So, um, and, and, and the piece of it, what, uh, the part of the part customer acquisition I really enjoy is actually the traditional cold calling because it gives me, um, direct access to the voice of our customer and prospect. I want to hear what they want to talk to me, what, uh, how I'm pitching, is it working? Is it resonating or not? Um, you know, what are some of their pushbacks? Uh, what are some of their struggles if they do decide to talk to me and open up? You know, it's, a, it's, it's just a great um, channel for me to really think about our product and think about our solution right? To be as close to the customer base as possible. So I actually have blocks. I even have a, a block for two hours right after our conversation today. To do some <laughs> calling. So that's also important to me. Um, and then around 
Five is when I need to start preparing for dinner because the children will be home by six.、Um, you know, and then after they get home is family time, right?、Uh, eat dinner as a family.、Uh, get them bathed. Get them ready for bed.、Uh, see if there's any homework that they still need to do.、Um, and after they go to bed around nine. Um, then I get to focus back on Finley. You know, is there any outstanding emails? Is there any outstanding to do items? Which there always, always <laughs> a mountain of outstanding to do items that were supposed to be、uh, done yesterday.、Um, but I have、yeah. to do right. So you know, and then just just work until I get too tired,、um, and then maybe listen to. Some podcast, and also recently, this may be、um, very telling in just how、uh, how my mind works. But I I've been addicted, semi addicted to those mukbangs. I don't know if you know if you know what those are, but those are those、no. shows on YouTube, and they don't talk. All they do is they eat, they eat. <laughs> <laughs> and I find that really interesting. And I literally can binge on mukbangs for like. Two hours straight. Yeah, help them eat random food, and that was that's really therapeutic for me. For <laughs>、um, I'm sure you're not the only one. If they're making videos, that means people are watching. So、oh、there's、God. many other people. <laughs> yes, there are some、um, pretty crazy ones.、Um, yeah, so that's my day. It's just morning today. I feel like even though it. it It's super dynamic. You know, every day something new can happen. There's fires to put out here and there. It's still relatively、um, structured, right? It's family. Yeah.、Time. It is work. It is family time. It is work, and then it is my time. Well, I think it's important to have structure. You know, especially in this kind of current environment, which is so work from home, flowing. I mean, you need to have some type of structure built in so you. Can save the day in many ways of of getting what you want to get done out of the day and spending time on the things that matter as well, like your family and all of those things. And、um, I found that as well through just people I continue to talk to and how they structure their days and like blocking out certain timeframes for the really important things.、Um, it matters and helps you fit everything you want at least in as well. And and Lori, where can people go to learn more about Finley and connect with you as well? Yes, Finley dot com. F I N L I dot com. And Finley, it stands for financial lift. <laughs> it's, <in laughs> I love it.、um, it, you know, it, it's it's in our name. You know, it's it's in our blood. Our mission is as clear as day, where we're focused on financially lifting communities, one small business at a time. Lori, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. If you want to follow along on the socials for all things Just Go Grind, and with me as well. Find Just Go Grind on Instagram and Twitter at Just Go Grind. You can find me on Twitter at Justin Gordon two one two. Find me on Instagram Justin Gordon eight. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.